It's still pretty much a brand new month, the month of October, and every month Audible members get one credit for any audiobook they choose, plus two Audible originals from a changing selection that they can't get anywhere else. You can start a 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free at audible.com slash todayexplained or when you text todayexplained to 500-500. Brazil's got a presidential election coming up on Sunday. It's the usual drill. There's a first round. If no one gets more than 50% of the votes, there's a second round later this month. Whoever wins gets to lead the country for the next four years. But here's where things get interesting. One leading candidate campaigned from a hospital bed and another campaigned from jail. This has been a dramatic and tumultuous election in Brazil for a number of reasons. Sarah Maslin is The Economist's Brazil correspondent. Brazil's in a really tough place right now. It has gone through the deepest and longest economic recession uh, in in its history, and uh, voters are extremely frustrated um, because of that, and also a series of interlocking corruption scandals known as the Lava Jato, or car wash operation. What many believe to be the biggest corruption scandal ever anywhere in the world. This bribery and money laundering scheme spread throughout Latin America, but the epicenter is in Brazil, and it has already cost that country billions of dollars. Basically tarred uh, nearly all of the major political parties, and given the sense that, that politics here is just extremely rotten. Starting in 2014, um, prosecutors uh, revealed kickbacks between uh, politicians from nearly all of the major parties and private companies whereby bribes or campaign donations from those companies would then lead to government contracts or or laws that were, were good for their businesses. And... It's just an absolutely massive um, thing. You know, even to this day, there's sort of more cases coming out on a pretty regular basis uh, related to the car wash scandal, which is where it all began in, in a car wash that was used to launder money. It all began in the capital city of Brasilia in the most mundane of places, a gas station that had once housed a car wash. In what came to be known as Operation Car Wash, The police tapped the phones of a money transfer business housed there, and in 2012, they heard the voice of Alberto Youssef, an infamous money launderer, the New York Times reported. Anyone linked to him immediately came under suspicion. The effect that it has had on Brazilians is a real sort of sense that corruption is the basis of the entire political system, and they blame the economic recession and crisis on on corruption which which isn't quite right because you know to be honest the the recession also has a lot to do with legal distortions where companies were given subsidies and um, there was irresponsible budget management and lending but you know a lot of Brazilians they're struggling to buy everything they need at the supermarket and to them um, you know the corruption is is the explanation for why the economy is struggling. And that sort of comes as a surprise, right? Because Brazil was doing really well there for a minute? Absolutely. So 
Brazil had a really exciting rise in the early 2000s where their economy was doing well. While the U.S. economy is slumping, the economies of some nations are booming. Among them, Brazil's. And it, it began to take sort of a, a leadership role on the international stage. Uh, so for a lot of Brazilians, it, it feels like a pretty deep fall to where they are now. Um, and, you know, I, there's hope that, that someone will be able to um, bring the country back to that kind of prosperity. Um, you know, but before that, there's just some pretty serious problems to fix. So who are the candidates who are offering to fix it? Who are the frontrunners? The two leaders in the polls are um, a far-right candidate named uh, Jair Bolsonaro. Olá, Jair Bolsonaro. And a, a leftist candidate named uh, Fernando Haddad. Começa agora o programa Haddad Presidente. And um, they couldn't be more different. Um, Bolsonaro is an outsider. He has promised to shake things up and rid the country of corruption. And then the other candidate, um, Haddad, is, is the representative of a party that many Brazilians see as, as responsible for all of the corruption. Um, and then other Brazilians see as responsible for the prosperity. So I would say the principal factor of this election is, um, you know, stark polarization and um, a real divide uh, in in the vision for, for what Brazil is going to look like in the future. And each of their campaigns has sort of been wild in totally different ways, right? Well, this election has um, had some crazy twists and turns. First of all, um, until just a few weeks ago, uh, Haddad wasn't even the candidate for the Workers' Party. They were running with um, the ex-president uh, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, very popular politician, but actually in jail. The Supreme Court narrowly voted against his petition to remain free while he appeals a 12-year corruption conviction. This means Brazil's most popular politician and the frontrunner for October's presidential election must go to jail. Which eventually meant that he was barred and um, Haddadi was was swapped in. He's been in jail since April, but his party, uh, knowing that he was just such a popular politician, kept him as a candidate until the bitter end and his... Um, his candidacy was eventually uh, struck down by the Supreme Court, but they were wow. running campaign ads showing uh, Lula with Hadaji, and then sort of in the background, Haddad's actual vice presidential candidate. Um, and these ads say things <laughs> like, Hadaji is Lula, and Lula is Hadaji. Almost trying to suggest to voters that they're voting for Haddadi, but really it's going to be Lula who's running the show. Wow, so there's no subtlety there. Not at all. None at all. So who is Haddad and how is he faring as, as sort of the stand-in for Lula? So Haddad is extremely enigmatic. Um, we all want to know who Haddad is. Você tá sentindo a dor que eu tô sentindo. We have to tell the people that we are feeling that same pain. But that it's not time to go back home with our heads down. It's time to take to the streets with our heads high up to win this election. And we will win it for Lula, for the Workers' Party, for the Community Party, for all social movements, and for Brazil. 
Uh, he was a minister under, under Lula and then uh, the mayor of Sao Paulo. People who worked with him said that he was uh, a responsible leader and um, effective and a good negotiator, all kind of qualities that you want in a leader. However, he comes from this, um, this party that uh, has kind of refused to uh, come to terms with its participation in these um, massive corruption scandals, hmm. which sort of leads to this question of how much uh, Haddadi will be able to strike his own path if he's elected or how much he'd just be sort of a puppet of, um, of the workers' party. So on the left, you have this candidate who's currently in jail slash his replacement stand-in. How are things going on the right? I wish I could tell you that things were calm on the right, but it has been crazy there as well. Bolsonaro is this um, far-right congressman, but hasn't gotten that much um, play in in the public eye until the past uh, a couple of years when he's managed to um, cast himself as this outsider, um, you know, a traditional values, iron fist approach to crime, um, and has, you know, skyrocketed to, to the forefront of this race, um, you know, casting himself as the guy who can come in and fix things here. That has gotten him a ton of support, especially among um, younger male, uh, higher educated voters. Huh. Um, but it's but it's also gotten him some real pushback. Um, and and even you know a month ago, at a campaign rally, um, while he was being carried on the shoulders of his supporters, he was stabbed. A shocking moment caught on camera: a leading presidential candidate in Brazil stabbed during a campaign rally. Cell phone video from various angles capture him clutching his abdomen in pain. His supporters rushed him into a waiting ambulance amid panic and confusion. Bolsonaro's son posted a photo of his dad in the hospital saying the stabbing injured his liver, lung, and intestine. We don't really know what the motivations were. It seems that the person who attacked him may have had sort of mental health problems, um, but it certainly has been a, 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 a volatile and tense campaign. How does not only getting stabbed, but then fulfilling the rest of your campaign from a hospital bed affect people's vision of whether you're going to be healthy enough to run a country? Well, you know, it it actually seems to have had the opposite effect. After Bolsonaro was stabbed, you sort of started to see this real crystallization of, of his polling numbers. Being stabbed meant that he was all over the media, and it also made it difficult for the other candidates to uh, attack him um, and, you know, go negative, as as the political consultants say. Yeah. Uh, so what you saw in the weeks after he was attacked was um, he, he actually got more popular. Huh. What is it about Bolsonaro that is engaging younger voters and especially younger male voters? Right. So, I mean, you see sort of different voters uh, who like Bolsonaro for different reasons. But with Bolsonaro, you've got both this um, nostalgia for uh, a time when when Brazil had more, quote, traditional values. So you do have some older voters in that sense. But I think the younger the younger voters, it's just real um, frustration and being fed up. These are voters who kind of came of age um, when Brazil was was doing well and was, um, you know, the economy was was soaring. And The Economist had a, a cover of the famous Christ statue in Rio de Janeiro taking off like a rocket. But then... Um, then the corruption scandal came and the recession, and it was almost as if 
all of that was sort of fake and all of that was a lie. And underneath it all, the, the politicians were sort of helping themselves to the government coffers. And I think for young, educated uh, Brazilians who have been, you know, following this rise and fall, um, there's a real kind of sense of betrayal and of, um, you know, wanting someone who doesn't look at all like any of the other politicians. And for some of them, that is Mr. Bolsonaro. What about him looks so different from the sort of norm in Brazil? I mean, part of it is just his his rhetoric. And um, he, he doesn't worry about political correctness. He says offensive things. He has cast himself as, you know, someone who's uh, very different and uniquely capable to to shake things up. Um, but I think, I mean, there's also this kind of darker element. You know, he's he's spoken about um, the the 1964 military coup as um, you know a necessary thing for Brazil that was sort of the only solution to what he kind of considers this communist terrorist threat at the time. Um, he, he said that um, police officers uh, should be able to shoot criminals uh, without worrying about getting in trouble for it. He's spoken about gays and uh, women and blacks as sort of lesser citizens um, and said really offensive things about these groups and also sort of snubbed the need to um, to protect minorities. And there's some things he's been saying about the results of the election that he wouldn't accept anything other than his own victory. going to be very close, and so it could get quite messy. Up next, democracy in Brazil is really young, and that's what makes this election so consequential. This is Today Explained. Vanderplug, Sean, it's it's a special day today. Is it? It's your birthday. Oh man, you're right. It's also Mean Girls Day. That's true. And I'm wearing pink. You are. I'm not, but I don't own any. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. Mm. Um, I'm doing this thing with these uh, Audible ads, where every day I read a different summary of a book that you can find on Audible because your first book is free. And I was thinking, since it's your birthday today. You could read the summary of a book of your choice. Oh, yeah. Cool. I got one. Great, great, great. What is it? As Seattle is ravaged by a string of mysterious killings and a malicious vampire continues her quest for revenge, Bella once again finds herself surrounded by danger. In the midst of it all, she is forced to choose between her love for Edward and her friendship with Jacob. Knowing that her decision has the potential to ignite the ageless struggle between vampire and werewolf. With her graduation quickly approaching, Bella has one more decision to make life or death. But which is which? And you can find out when you go to audible.com slash today explained or text today explained to 500500. Sarah, how old is democracy in Brazil? 
Brazil sort of had throughout the 20th century back and forth between democratic rule and military rule. But most recently, there was um, a dictatorship that started in, in the 1960s and lasted until the 1980s. Brazil's military dictatorship committed crimes against humanity, so says the country's National Truth Commission. It says there's proof that more than 400 people were killed or disappeared between 1964 and 85, but the real figure is undoubtedly higher. Democracy came back with the 1988 constitution. Um, so, it, it, you know, it's pretty young. Yeah, and fragile, it sounds like. Yeah, and I don't think anyone would have said that um, until very recently. The institutions in Brazil have have proved themselves um, pretty successful. The biggest example of that being that the judiciary over the past few years has really gone after politicians and revealed these corruption scandals and attempted to hold people accountable for it. So that that is something to remember, and that is sort of a positive thing going forward. Between the late 80s and now, have there been, like, glory days for Brazilian democracy? I think that if I were a correspondent here in, you know, during the time when Brazil was, um, you know, was leading up kind of world initiatives on, on climate change and on poverty and um, the economy was doing well and, and business was flocking to Brazil, uh, which is not so, so much of a distant memory. That was just sort of uh, less than a decade ago. I would, I would have said, absolutely, democracy is thriving. But, um, you know, but what we didn't really know was that that whole time there was this sort of massive c- corruption happening just beneath the surface and so you know it's hard to say I think I think it's it's not as simple as as sort of it's either democratic or it isn't but it, it, you know I think that the, the corruption scandal and now this kind of um, you know this specter of a candidate who has expressed support for something other than democracy and has has really seen people sort of react positively to that shows that the democracy is young and that it that it's still got a long way to go. So how did it get to this point where this far-right candidate can make appeals to a military dictatorship and, and, you know, lead the polls? I think what you have to remember is is that, uh, you know, in Brazil, as as sort of everywhere else, um, people vote on emotion and on fear. You know, if you asked Brazilians... um, to sort of, you know, whether they want to live under military dictatorship, I think all of them would absolutely say no. But if you ask how to get out of this crisis or what the solution is, they just, they want change and they want something different. And the current round of politicians have proved themselves to be mostly interested in their own preservation, not in any sort of reform that would help Brazil become a more prosperous and a more equal and more fair country. I think that most who will vote for Bolsonaro will do so because they think that he can um, solve this problem without resorting to some sort of a military solution. But are are people scared that Bolsonaro might end up going that way? Absolutely. You saw this kind of uh, real fear of Mr. Bolsonaro and and what he might mean um, for Brazilian democracy this past weekend when hundreds of thousands of Brazilians um, in, you know, in cities throughout the whole country took to the streets. People shouted, Bolsonaro, you can cry. Women will take you down. Waving banners with the hashtag Eli Now, which means not him, um, and slogans about, you know, accusing him of being a fascist or um, an extremist. They chanted, Bolsonaro, you fascist, women will put you in line. 
or sort of a torture because of, of his associations with the dictatorship. There's a fear that his kind of flirtations with past moments of undemocratic rule would make him more likely in the case of a kind of chaotic situation or, or, or when crime and the economy aren't shaping up to take some sort of a dramatic action. And Brazilians are, are certainly scared of that um, as well. And, and that's sort of the source of this this huge outcry um, and and social movement against his candidacy. I do have to say, though, that there's fear of, of Haddad as well. Um, some people believe, especially people who are, are more kind of economically conservative, uh, they believe that um, Haddad would, would be a real risk of, you know, they compare him to Venezuela. They say uh, kind of Brazil um, could become a, a socialist country. And I, mean, I think a lot of Brazilians are, are trying to decide not necessarily uh, which one of these two they kind of feel the most represented by, but rather which one is, in their opinion, sort of a bigger danger or a bigger threat. And is that just par for the course in Brazilian presidential politics? I mean... This is an election where, you know, for most of the election, you had one leading candidate campaigning from jail um, and then another one, you know, ending up campaigning from a hospital bed. Uh, so, you know, it's 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 pretty crazy. That said, um, I have to say Brazilians seem to kind of accept that. Um, and, you know, they remind me that, that last time in the 2014 election, one of the leading candidates died in a helicopter crash. So th this is a country where extreme events do happen um, and uh, are, you know, absorbed into some sort of a normality. Sarah Maslin writes about Brazil for The Economist. I'm Sean Ramos from This Is Today Explained. When you get your books at Audible, they're yours to keep. You can go back and re-listen anytime, even if you cancel your membership. And if you don't like your audiobook, you can exchange it, no questions asked. Plus, there's a 30-day trial, and your first audiobook is free when you go to audible.com slash todayexplained or text todayexplained to 500500.